Good morning, everyone. I brought my uh, Johnny Cash voice today. So don't let that mess with you too much as we go forward here. We're continuing in our series on how to love your neighbor as yourself today. And I uh, hope you're listening very carefully because we want to talk about patience. Don't just love, talk about patience. My mother became so exasperated with her four-year-old daughter's temper tantrum that she finally decided she'd had enough, you know, she has to do some discipline here. So she gave the little girl a flashlight and locked her in the closet. <laughs> and she said, you just sit in there until you can settle down and behave. Now, that's not very good parenting, by the way, but anyway, her patience had grown completely thin. But she was surprised because for the first five minutes, didn't hear a sound. Didn't hear a peep second five minutes. Fifteen minutes went by, and she couldn't get over the little girl's patience. But finally, she just opened the door to check on her, and there sat the daughter on the floor, a scowl on her face, and the little girl said very curtly, I spit on your shoes, I spit on your dress, and now I'm sitting here waiting for some more spit. <laughs> Last week, we talked this, we began this series on how to get along with people. And in 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul tells us that the foundation for getting along with one another is compassion. Verse 1, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries, all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but if I don't have love, I am nothing. Love is not just a feeling. It is an act of the will. Love is deliberately putting the interests of other people ahead of yourselves. And if we're honest, this kind of compassion doesn't come naturally to, to most of us here today, I'm sure. It's got to be cultivated. You kind of have to grow it. You have to put ourselves in the place of others. And more important, we have to tap into the power of God's Holy Spirit to really pull it off. Beginning with the fourth verse of 1 Corinthians 13, Paul lists a series of attributes that need to be developed if relationships in our little worlds are going to be able to be loving and meaningful and peaceful. And the very first of these is love is patient. So I want us to look at three things today about this. So one, I want to give you some encouragement, and then I want to give an example, and then I want to end with a, a way we can execute or implement these principles that we're going to talk about. All right. Now I know all of you want to be more patient, and if you don't think you do, the people you live with wish you were more patient. And so feel free to take notes very liberally as we go through here. First, Paul says if you're going to develop healthy relationships with others, it has to kind of begin with patience. The Greek word here, by the way, literally means take a long time to boil. And that's something. The Greek language is so poetic and so demonstrative. But I, I did not recognize that until just this week. Take a long time to boil. Any of you have a problem with uh, that flaring up of temper and impatience? You know, very often. You know, we talk about people with short fuses. Be a patient person has got a long fuse. 
patient person takes a long time to, to boil over uh, when dealing with other people. Somebody has defined patience as the ability to accept delay or disappointment graciously. Another definition is patience is the self-respect that does not quickly retaliate against a wrong. Another person defined patience as the ability to count down before you blast off. I like that one. But of course, it's so much easier to define this thing than it is to actually practice it. Has not that been the case for you? If you're going to get along with other people over the long haul, it is imperative that you and I learn to be patient and tolerant of one another. Let me give you some examples. I know you'll resonate with many of these. First of all, marriage requires patience. I heard that chuckle from someone. Who, is that your wife, Jerry? There? 57 years. Wow, 67? 57. Well, congratulations. Congratulations. And uh, Sally, we're praying for you. That's, that's neat. Well, congratulations. Are you going to go do something special, have fun, or whatever, or what? No, I'll just stay home. I know what you're going to do. Jerry, you're going to stay home and practice this sermon. I know you are. So. Anyway, my wife and I were both born uh, in, uh, I, we were born first born in our families. And uh, I didn't have any brothers and sisters. I asked my mother about that one time, and she just rolled her eyes and didn't answer me. But Raina had siblings, and, and she is so much more unselfish than I am. You know, I, I didn't have to share much growing up. If you're the only child, you know, it's your toys, and you have to, everybody else kept their hands off of them. Proverbs 15, 18 says, A hot-tempered man, though, stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. Patience is absolutely essential for a marriage to thrive and to survive. And then parenting requires patience. We got some seats up here in the front. We got some seats up. I know that's the best seats in the house, by the way. They really are. Yeah. And we got, some, I think, a seat or two back here, too, as well. So come right in. Parenting requires patience. You cannot be a good parent without it. You know, child abuse is becoming such a big problem in our world. Family, family relationships fracturing, all because of impatience. And we need to understand that children from birth to teenage years, let me tell you guys something. Do you know this? They're going to make mistakes. They're going to not get it right all the time. They may rebel. They may try your patience. Proverbs 14.29 says, A patient man has great understanding, but a quick-tempered man displays folly. Patience is absolutely a must if a family is going to survive. And then guess what? We need patience here in the church. I bet you never thought about that, did you? You know, I've been around the church pretty much all my life. And uh, guess what? Christians aren't perfect. Now I expect at least 15 amens right there. <laughs> you, know, just, you know, let's just be honest. I mean, we don't get it right. We don't understand everything we ought to do. And we can be temperamental. Some of us can be judgmental, hypocritical, demanding, critical. We can just, this is why the Apostle Paul, led by the Holy Spirit, wrote to the congregation in a little town called Ephesus. Ephesus, Ephesians 4, 2, here's what he said. You be completely humble and gentle. And they're talking to the church. 
You be humble and gentle and you be patient and you bear with one another in love. In the church, again, not everyone is in agreement all the time. Over the course of the last years, a few years, we've had, had this COVID health crisis and not everybody was happy with uh, our leadership when we made some decisions about compliance and wearing masks and various other restrictions that everybody saw on their freedoms. Sadly, some left our fellowship over this issue. But we have to be patient and bearing with one another in love or else the church becomes a place of friction and conflict rather than the place of compassion it's supposed to be. And then your vocation, whatever it may be, it requires patience. In your job, place of business, not everybody sees the same things the same way and works at the same speed. And the day-to-day -day pressures can sometimes mount up in the business world and take its toll on relationships. And Christians especially who are in these environments, we need to be careful to be tolerant and sensitive. Proverbs 16.32 says, Better to be a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper, than one who can conquer a city. Proverbs 25.15 puts it this way, Through patience a ruler can be persuaded, and a gentle tongue can break a bone. And this is why we are told throughout the Bible to be patient with each other. Listen to these admonitions. I'm not going to put them on, the, they're not on the screen, but just listen to these admonitions from God's Word. Romans 12, 12, be patient in affliction. Galatians 5, 22, the fruit of the Spirit is patience. Ephesians 4, 2, clothe yourselves, I'm sorry, be patient with one another. Colossians 3, 12, clothe yourselves with patience. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, preach the Word with great patience. I would add to that, Listen to the word with great patience. Anyway, that's not in the Bible. Be patient until the Lord's coming, James 5, 7. Now, I want us to think of a few of the reasons why it's so difficult for us to obey those scriptures I just read. Here's the first idea. First, patience is difficult because it goes against our human nature. Patience is difficult because it goes against kind of the way we're wired. You know, a newborn baby that awakens at 2 a.m. crying to be fed cannot be reasoned with. Have you all seen that happen? He wants it now or she wants it now. Patience is not an innate virtue. It has to be learned. And then secondly, patience is hard because it's just a long, long, lifelong struggle. If you're breathing, you're probably going to have trouble with patience. You never just master patience and then move on to something else. You have to cultivate patience on a daily basis because every day there's going to be something that happens that requires a patient response. In fact, as you gain influence and authority, you'll be tempted to be increasingly more impatient, especially as you get older because you, you kind of get used to getting things that you want when you want them. And the third reason it's challenging is because sometimes Waiting is not a virtue. Sometimes we think we're being patient when really we're being just passive. I read that it once took the administrators at the University of California, Berkeley, four months to expel a student, a young man, who insisted on coming to class in the school cafeteria buck naked. It took this 
group of leaders four months to decide how to handle this. Now, the Bible does say bear with one another, but that's not the kind of bear we're talking about. <laughs> this young man was coming to class without any clothes on. And he said, and I quote, he was protesting sexually repressive traditions in Western culture, unquote. And these astute, intelligent um, administrators at Berkeley, they're so proud of their liberalism, they did not want to violate this young man's civil rights until some female students charged him with sexual harassment. And that was a politically correct objection. And so they kicked the kid out. But the fact that it took all this time, I mean, I don't think these administrators were patient. They were passive. And we see it. There are times when waiting is not a virtue, and we must always be alert to the difference between patience and passivity, because they're not the same thing. Jesus Christ is the perfect example of a man who was patient with people. In Mark's Gospel, the ninth chapter, in the very first section, Jesus has to be patient with a number of individuals and situations. First, he had to be patient with the waffling personality of a, a disciple named Peter. He's all over the page. Jesus took his three closest companions, Peter, James, and John, took them way up on a mountain where he was transfigured before them. His clothing became dazzling white, and all of a sudden, there appeared with him Moses and Elijah, you know, Bible characters from hundreds of years ago. And the disciples were spellbound. And the Bible says Simon Peter jumped up. Now, it doesn't really say he jumped up, but I, I bet he did. But he jumped up and said, verse 5, Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us build three shelters. And the word can be translated like a monument or a shrine. And one, one for you, one for Moses, and, and, uh, and one for Elijah. Now, this was not Peter's brightest moment. A few days earlier, Peter had said, or actually made a big, big deal about something called the good confession. Remember that? When he said, I believe, Jesus, that you are the Messiah. But, you know, now he's putting Jesus on the same level as Elijah and Moses, which that's not a good idea to do. But verse 6 tells us, that Peter said this because, look at this, he did not know what to say. They were so frightened at what they were seeing. There are always those who are uncomfortable with silence. And Peter had to fill up the silence with something, even if it was wrong, it was stupid. Verse 8, suddenly when they looked around, um, I'm sorry, verse 7, then a cloud appeared and enveloped him, and a voice said, it came from the cloud, this is my son whom I love, Listen to him, and suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. But it's interesting. Jesus didn't lash out at Peter. He didn't shake his head. He was very patient with Peter's inconsistent personality. And I'm always encouraged when I read this passage, and I reflect on how Jesus is also patient with me. I'll bet he's been patient with you as well. But then we see one other test of Jesus' patience when he had to deal with the intellectual limitations of those companions and friends that he was with. Intellectual limitations. Verse 9, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they'd seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And verse 10 tells us, they kept the matter to themselves, 
talking about the disciples, discussing what rising from the dead meant. Jesus had repeatedly and plainly told them he was going to die and be resurrected. But they're not hearing what he's saying. They're focused on what they want, what they want to happen. Now, if you're a teacher and you have to tell your students the very same thing over and over and over again, it's going to test your patience, you would think, but not Jesus. Verse 12 tells us he patiently explained that he was going to have to suffer much and be rejected by the Jewish people. You know, the, like just, he's already, it wasn't the first time. He's telling it to him again. And then when they got down to the base of the mountain, Jesus found the other disciples in a heated argument, listen, with the Jewish teachers of the law. Verse 15. And as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. Verse 16 says, what are you arguing with him about, he asked. A man in a crowd said, teacher, I brought you my son who's possessed by a spirit that's robbed him of speech. And I asked your disciples to drive out this spirit, but they could not. Now, now think for a moment of the pressure of the situation here. Jesus had just come off one of those mountaintop experiences. I mean, literally. And he walks into a crowd, and there is controversy, and there is ridicule. And verse 19 records Jesus' word. Listen, he said, oh, unbelieving generation, he replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? And he said, bring, bring the boy to me. Always understand that Jesus was fully God. But he was also fully human. Otherwise, there would be no way we could ever relate to him. He became like us so we could understand things we would never understand any other way. Remember that Hebrews 4.15, one of the most encouraging word, verses in the Bible, by the way. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet, see that yet there, yet without sin. See, it was obvious that it was all Jesus could do sometimes to restrain his exasperation with his disciples. But again, instead of blasting off, Jesus would count down. Verses 21 says, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It's often thrown him to the fire and water to try to kill him. But if you, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Now, this skeptical father was yet another test of Jesus' patience. I mean, don't you imagine Jesus could have thought to himself, you know, if? I could heal him. <laughs> yeah. But no, he didn't. He didn't. This guy was bringing his boy to be healed. And he really doesn't even believe that I can even heal him. But he didn't say that or think that. No. He was patient with his doubting father. Look at verse 23. If you, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And Jesus, again, because of his patience, his perception, he salvaged the relationship with this doubting father and then went right on ahead and healed the boy. And you go on and read over and over again 
examples like that where he was patient. One more, the, 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 he got, had to be patient with the aggravating criticism of his followers. The next paragraph in verse 33 says, they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked him, asked the disciples, what were you arguing about back on the road? Well, but they kept quiet. Because on the way, guess what they've been arguing about? They've been arguing about who was the greatest among them. And Jesus had just said, you know, I'm going to die, and there's going to be some challenging things coming down. And here they are debating among themselves who was the most important. And at this time, most of us would have said, you know, that's it. I'm going to dump you guys and go find me some more disciples, you know. I'm going to recruit some disciples who have a little more sensitivity than you guys do. And you're not so doggone self-centered, you know. But we don't read that in the Bible. Because Jesus is such an example of patience. It's no wonder Simon Peter would one day write in 1 Peter 2.21, To this you were also called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Now let's think for a minute how we can, can execute or implement this kind of patience. First, you've got to remember how patient God has been with you. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some of us understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Martin Luther once said, If I were God and the world treated me the way they treated Him, I would kick the wretched thing to pieces. Without a doubt, God is restrained. And the world doesn't yet understand what his wrath and anger can be like, his righteous indignation. But he's giving us time to repent. That's what the delay is about. You understand that? We see our nation going places that are very disheartening, very discouraging. But we must also reflect on how God is being very patient with the world of people that are determined to live their lives without him. Next time you want to bark at your children, just say, you know, and just want them to grow up, you know. Remember how long God's waited for some of us to mature. Next time you want to scream at your mate, well, can't you hurry up? Well, just think about how long God's been waiting while you and I piddle along sometimes. Next time you get exasperated with the mistake of a co-worker, remember how long and remember how faithfully God has waited for you and me to overcome whatever the besetting sin is in our life. You know, that sin that you confess regularly in your prayers. Romans 15, 7 says, Accept one another then just as Christ has accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So not only remembering how patient God's been with you, but secondly, you, know, you need to work at being realistic with people. We become impatient because we're kind of idealistic. I mean, people are people. We're going to be, what shall we say, selfish. How many of you have ever done that? You know, you don't have to raise your hands. You know. People are people. You're going to make mistakes. How about the fact then that we should make allowances for other people ourselves? Can we not extend the same grace that we've received from the Lord? Try to remember there was only one perfect person who ever lived. 
Anyway, he does. It's just not that easy. Jesus anticipated the failure of his disciples. Did you know that? He knew it was coming. He said, one of you is going to betray me. He said to Simon Peter, he said, before the night is over, you're going to betray me three times. So, so be realistic. Christians are not perfect people. And we need to recognize that. Because it makes it a lot easier for us to deal with others who are not patient, who may not be Christians. And then number three, we need to work at the art of patient listening. Proverbs 18.13 says, He who answers before listening, well that is to his folly, and that is to his shame. I read that President Franklin Roosevelt got tired one time of smiling and saying all the usual things that happen at White House receptions. So one evening he decided to find out if anybody was really listening to what he said. And his people would file through the line, he would smile and give him that big smile and stick out his hand and say, this morning I murdered my grandmother. And everyone in the line coming along there would smile and say, that is lovely, Mr. President. You're doing a wonderful job, Mr. President. No one listened to what he said at all, except for one foreign diplomat who smiled as he came through the line. The president said, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And the diplomat quietly says, I'm sure she had it coming, sir. <laughs> James 1.19 says, my dear brothers, you take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. If we're going to be impatient about anything, then let's be impatient listeners. Let's be focused on being quick to listen. And then number four, you need to work at communicating with patient expression. Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now, what they're talking about here is the way that you and I say something is almost as important as what we say. In fact, researchers have found that only 7% of what you say is communicated with words. 43% of the meaning comes from how you say it, your tone of voice, volume, pitch, speed of delivery. The beginning, the remaining 50% of is conveyed in nonverbal communication, body language, facial expressions, hand gestures. So kind of be aware of that. And then number five, you got to develop a good sense of humor. A good sense of humor will go a long way toward cultivating patience. A Christian comedian once told a story about a father whose patient humor blessed his family and saved the day. They'd been inviting the new preacher and his wife to come over for Sunday dinner. And all week long, the mother had schooled the little children, the two little children they had, on good table manners. Now, you can't imagine what a daunting task that would be. She just, but she wanted to make a good impression. And so, after some small talk in the living room, the wife came out and announced we're ready to eat. And they went into the dining room. There was this beautiful table setting. I mean, it was just gorgeous, white lace, tablecloth, cloth napkins, finest silverware that they had, and 
beautiful floral centerpiece. And everyone sat down. The father had the prayer. And as soon as he said amen, the seven-year-old daughter nervously reached for a glass of tea and bumped it and knocked it over onto the table. At that point, the little brother jumped up to get out of the way of the tea. And he spilled his glass of tea where he was sitting. And proceeded to yell at his sister, by the way. And then everybody looked at mother and, and all the ones that she spent all these hours, all this stuff preparing. It was all spoiled. Tea stains were all over the middle of the tablecloth. Tea was filling the butter dish along with the butter. But before she could react, the perceptive father pushed his glass of tea over and started to laugh. And the preacher, of course, he caught on quickly. He started laughing. And he looked at the mother. She didn't know whether to laugh or cry. But finally, with a slight grin came across his face, she picked up her glass, by the way, and slowly poured it in the middle of the tablecloth. And in the midst of all this hilarity and craziness, as everyone roared with laughter around the table, the perceptive father looked down at his seven-year-old daughter, and he winked at her. And she smiled back at her daddy. And in the midst of all that hilarity, she knew she had a daddy that was thinking about her feelings. A good sense of humor can go a long way towards building great relationships. And our Heavenly Father has been so patient with us. I'm sure there's not anybody in this room that could not agree with that. But we've got to be careful because the enemy stands ready all the time to dump things in the, in the middle of your tablecloth. God has been so patient. But you know, his patience and all of his compassion will one day, will one day come to a close. And our Heavenly Father who sent his son to the cross and who absorbed the consequences of our sin, who offers us a way of escape. Well, he's going to expect an appropriate response from God's people. I want you to listen to 2 Peter 3 before I close here. 3, verse 9 and 10. The Lord is not slow concerning or in terms of keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you. Not wanting anybody to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come. And God's patience with our sinful old world is going to run out one day. And the time to receive and embrace his offer of salvation is today. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to you. You... You love us so much that you sent your son to do what we could never do for ourselves. And I ask you, Father, as we come to the time around the Lord's table, that you would impress upon us your patience. That this is a weekly reminder for us that blood was spilt and bodies and bones were broken so that we might be free 
set free. And so, Father, help us to really not just rush through this ceremony, but to take a moment to just reflect upon how patient God has been with us and how grateful we all need to be to him. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.